grab your Bibles this morning. I don't want to lose this atmosphere of God's presence that's here. Because we need God's presence. We need God's presence. I see some people here responding to the presence of God. I see others that are maybe not quite there yet. I believe God wants to talk to us through His Word this morning. Isaiah chapter 6. As you're standing, I want to read from verse 1. chapter 6 verse 1 it says in the year that King Uzziah died I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up his train filled the temple above it stood the seraphims each one had six wings with two he covered his face two he covered his feet and two he did fly and one cried unto the other and said Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. But my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Verse 6, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he has taken from the, with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips. Thine iniquity is taken away. Thy sin purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about called for a purpose. Called for a purpose. Precious Jesus, I feel your presence here, Lord. You want to speak to us today, God. Prepare our hearts. You called us for a purpose, Jesus. We're not here by mistake. Help us to be sensitive, God. Help me, Lord, to deliver what you've given me, Jesus. I ask it in your name. In Jesus' name. Praise you, Lord. God bless you. May be seated this morning. Uzziah had ruled the kingdom of Israel for 52 years. Scholars say that the reign of Uzziah was the most prosperous reign of a monarch in the kingdom of Judah. See, this was after the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah had split. Ten tribes had gone with Jeroboam. Two tribes had gone with Rehoboam. 
Uzziah was king of the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. And other than the reign of Jehoshaphat, since the two kingdoms had been split, it was the most prosperous reign in the kingdom of Judah. For 52 years, there had been stability in the kingdom of Judah. For 52 years, great things had been done in the kingdom of Judah. The Bible tells us that King Uzziah had constructed siege engines that would sit on the walls of Jerusalem to protect them from their enemies. The long-time enemies of God's people, the Philistines, had been defeated. The Amorites had surrendered, and they were paying tribute to the kingdom of Judah. King Uzziah had refortified cities. He had reorganized his forces. He had re-equipped his army. The kingdom of Judah was at that time one of the great regional powers in that part of the world. The Bible tells us that even in the gates of Egypt, they had heard about the reign of King Uzziah. In short, for 52 years, they'd had a very secure kingdom and a secure past. And the future too looked to be secure and looked to be prosperous. The problem though that we see in the kingdom of Judah is that both them and their king became comfortable in how things were going. They began to think that it was because of their strength, because of their power, because of their might, their abilities, their hard work. They thought that was why our kingdom is secure. Our borders are safe. We are a prosperous nation. We know this because we see that towards the end of the life of King Uzziah, he stopped listening to God. The old prophet Zechariah had died. And the Bible says that Uzziah's heart was lifted up. He began to do things that he was not meant to do, to take responsibilities that were meant to be the priests. The Bible tells us that he got a censor and he tried to go into the temple to do what the priests would do. And the priests, to their credit, withstood him and tried not to let him in. But then God himself pronounced judgment. And the Bible tells us that Uzziah was struck with leprosy. And it was not many years after that that Uzziah died. You see, after 52 years of stability, 52 years of everything going well, 52 years of everything being under control, 52 years of having victory over all of their enemies, I believe that the king and the kingdom of Judah slipped into a comfortable Mentality. Everything is going good. And I wonder this morning, as I consider our church, when I consider how long we've been preaching the gospel in this town, I wonder if we are ever in danger of slipping into a similar level of comfort. Yes, we've had times of great victory. 
We've had times of great revival. But are we in danger this morning of living in the security of the past? As we enjoy our programs that we run every Sunday, we do the things that we do every Sunday, I wonder if we are ever in danger of losing sight of why we are here. I wonder this morning if we are ever in danger of forgetting the purpose for which God has called us and equipped us and saved us. I just wonder this morning if hearing a nice message and singing a nice song becomes what we expect on a Sunday. I wonder if we come to this place because we expect our every spiritual need to be catered to, our every wish to be met, our every desire to be fulfilled. Like the kingdom of Judah, I wonder if we ever begin to feel like things will always be the same. I wonder if we look at others that are serving in the kingdom and we think it's okay. They've always done that ministry. It's okay. I don't have to be involved. It's okay. I already do my bit for the church. Have we ever been guilty of thinking, I've been a part of this church for a long time. I've paid my dues. I've done my part. It's time for someone else to do something. The truth of the matter is, is that I don't want to be a part of a church that slips easily into casualness. I don't want to be a part of a church that just wants to tick a program box every Sunday so we can go home and feel good about our spiritual selves. I want to be a church that's connected to the mission. I want to be a church that understands that we've been called for a purpose. I want to be a church that understands we have been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Because we are here to make a difference. That's all right. The devil will do everything he can to distract you from me. I'm going to stop what we're doing while we sort this out. I'm fine. I tell you, God told me the devil was going to muck this up. He doesn't want me to preach this. So you focus on me and listen. I want to be a part of a church that pursues what God has for us, both as individuals and as a collective body of believers. I want to be a part of a church that is aware that time is short, that Jesus is coming. And that there is a lost world to reach. I want to be a part of a church where every member is engaged. Every member is engaged in the mission. And focused on the task. And the first thing this morning that we need to check. Is how do we view 
the Lord. You see, it was in the year that King Uzziah died that Isaiah saw God in all of his majesty and his power. It was in the year when the stability that the kingdom had known for 52 years came crashing down. It was in the year when all of a sudden the future was in doubt. An entire, think about this, an entire generation of people had grown up under the reign of King Uzziah. 52 years he had reigned. And just like that, the past was behind them and the future was uncertain. And I just wonder this morning if, if we don't need to have perhaps if I could put it like this, a little bit of instability in our life. We get so comfortable with how our lives are going that we never dream they could change. We get so comfortable with the way that our church is run that we could never imagine that maybe God has got more for us. We get so content with having God involved with just certain parts of our life, but so many times we refuse to allow Him entry into areas where He could dramatically change our life. Refusing to believe that perhaps God could be calling us to a greater commitment, a greater calling, a greater purpose, a greater sacrifice. And so we find that we go day by day, week by week, Month by month, year by year, always the same, never changing, never wanting to be changed, and hoping that nobody realizes that spiritually we're asleep. I know I'm speaking very direct this morning. But I'm speaking direct because I want our church to wake up. I'm not looking at anyone in particular. But I want our church to wake up. I want us to be a church that is comfortable with being uncomfortable. I want us as a church to feel the burden of doing more for the kingdom. Listen to the words of Paul to the Romans. In Romans chapter 13 and verse 11 he says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awaken out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Because it is in the times of instability and the times in church where things are uncomfortable and things are cutting a little close to the skin. And God begins to work His way through the walls and the armor that we put up. It is in those times we become spiritually alert. And it is those times we will begin to see the hand of God at work in our church and in our lives. Because it is when you realize that the past is behind 
And the future is beyond your understanding. And when everything you knew about life comes crashing down and you wake up spiritually and you realize that Jesus is not just wanting part of your life, He wants all of your life. And He doesn't just want all of your life. He is your life. Like the Bible in the book of Acts says, in Him we live and move and have our being. Our existence is only inside of Jesus. There is a song by Stephen Curtis Chapman that says, Jesus is life. The air that I am breathing. Why my heart is beating. Everything that I am needing. Jesus is life. And when we begin to become spiritually awake to that fact, it is then that we come face to face with the majesty and the awe of God. It is then that we realize how small we really are and how big He really is. And how all of our schemes and our programs and our plans are insignificant when compared to the purpose that He has called us to. You see, I just wondered this morning if the favorite version of Jesus that we like is gentle Jesus, meek and mild. We like to put Jesus in his little Jesus box. We'll pull him out on Sunday, dust the week's dust off him so he can bless us on a Sunday. We don't like to have the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. Because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has no compunction to bow Himself to our desires and our wishes and what we tell Him to do. But the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 6 that He sits upon a throne. And it is not just a throne, it is a throne that is high. And lifted up. And Isaiah tells us that his train fills the temple. You see, I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is not just any king. No, he's the king of kings. Jesus is not just any lord. He is the lord of lords. He's not just any god. He is the God that has all power and all in heaven and in earth. He is the God that declares, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. He's the one that tells Job, were you there when I laid the foundations of the world? Were you there when I measured out the bounds of the land and the sea? Were you there when I ignited the stars across the galaxy and they began to sing praises to my name? He is the one that Amos is talking about when he says, Seek him that makes the seven stars in Orion, that turns the shadow of death into the morning and makes the day dark with night, that calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out upon the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. That's who Amos is talking about. Church, we need to come face to face with the majesty 
of God. We need to come face to face with this God that we are serving. Because when we come face to face with God, it is then that our view of ourselves is corrected. It is when we truly begin to grasp the majesty of the God that we serve. That is when we begin to see ourselves in the right manner. That's when we begin to get an understanding of who we are. You see, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, I can tell you that his response was not, well, I'm a pretty good guy. I've got my life figured out. I'm part of a powerful kingdom with a powerful army. We've got things under control here, God. But when we come face to face with Jesus, our response needs to be one of abject worship. When we come face to face with the goodness of God, we need to realize how much we need Jesus. When we come face to face with the holiness of God, we should begin to understand just how unrighteous we are without Jesus. Isaiah tells us a little longer on in the book, he says, but we are all as an unclean thing and our righteousness are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. When we come face to face with God, we don't need to start thinking about how amazing we are, how great our church is, how awesome we are at praise and worship, how wonderful it is that we've been serving God for 20 years. But when we come face to face with Jesus, it needs to humble us. It needs to bring us to our knees in worship and surrender. And I'm just wondering today, how long has it been since you have come face to face with Jesus? How long has it been since you've been in His presence where the power of God has been so strong that you found yourself at the altar unable to even say a word in His presence? How long has it been since the power of God has hit you so hard you haven't even been able to stand any longer in His presence. This is what Isaiah is meaning as he sees the splendor and the majesty. He sees the train of the victories of the eternal King filling the temple. He sees the smoke of the glory of the Almighty. He feels the earth and the pillars move at the very presence of God. He hears the angels crying over and over again, Holy, holy, holy. And he's on his face in the presence of God. And he's saying, God, I am not worthy to be here. 
I've done nothing good to be in your presence. I have no righteousness of my own. I have no holiness of my own. And I wonder this morning, time and time again, we come into this house, in this city, at this time, and we seem so cold and so casual sometimes. And we sit back and we think that we've done something to warrant His presence in our church. And we wonder why God doesn't move. We wonder why there's people who don't feel His presence. Oh, that God would get a hold of our hearts this morning, church. That we could come face to face with the majesty of God this morning. That He would reveal Himself to us. And reveal the nature of our hearts to ourselves. It's when we see God the way we should see Him. And when we have the correct perspective of ourself in relation to God, then we can begin to fulfill the purpose for which God has called us. Oh, that we could be a church whose cry is, Here I am, God. Send me. Oh, that we could have people in our church whose heart's cry is, God, here I am. Use me, Lord. Send me, God. Allow me to be used in your kingdom. I don't want to be in a church that is just want, want, want. I need, I need. Give me this, give me this. Oh, that we could get our eyes on the lost, our eyes on the purpose and not care about our rights and our responsibilities and our privileges. Jesus is saying, who shall I send? And I wonder, I know I have in my life before been guilty of saying, there they are, God, send them. But oh, that that would change in our hearts this morning. Oh, that we would come face to face with God face to face with our need for Him, face to face with the mission that God has called us to. God did not reveal Himself to Isaiah. Cleanse Him from His iniquity. Just so that He could sit back and relax. God did not save you. God did not cleanse you. God did not give you His free gift of salvation so that we could sit back and just relax. He has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for my life. He has a plan for our church, a purpose for our church. But that doesn't make you special. It doesn't make me special. It doesn't make us worthy of extra praise. It does make us called. It does make us commissioned. It does make us a part of the army of the Lord. We're not here for a good time. We're here for a battle. 
We're not here because we deserve to be here. We're here because God has called us. We are here to serve the kingdom. We're here to get our hands dirty. We're here to make a difference in this city. I am not wanting this to be a message of condemnation. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. But I also want you to know this morning that you've been called for a purpose. And the first step to finding that purpose is to get your view of God correct. We need to spiritually pinch ourselves. Shake the spiritual cobwebs from our mind and realize that the only difference, the only reason we are here is to make a difference out there. It's telling that as Jesus got closer to His purpose on earth, which was the cross, there was fewer and fewer that were willing to stand with Him. There was 5,000 disciples that were willing to be fed with loaves and fishes. There was 500 that were willing to watch the ascension of Jesus. There was 120 that were happy to wait in the upper room for the promise of the Holy Ghost. But there was only 12 that were willing to be at the Last Supper. And one of them betrayed Him. There was only three who were willing to go a little bit further on with Jesus in that Garden of Gethsemane. And then when you look on the cross, there's just one disciple at the foot of the cross. Where was the other 4,999 that were there with the loaves and the fishes? I'm here to tell you today that everybody under the sound of my voice has been called by God for a purpose. Called by God for a reason. But I, I want you to search your heart this morning. At what point do you think you will bail out on Him? Or at what point would you be willing to settle and not go any further? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? When the purpose that He has for our lives begins to cost dearly. When He calls you to sacrifice more than you've ever had to sacrifice, it's the ones that have come face to face with God 
They're the ones that will go all the way. They're the ones that will pursue the calling that God has on their life, come hell or high tide. It's the one in whose heart there's no pride. There's no self-righteousness. There's no veneer of Christianity. But just a realization, a deep realization of their desperate need for Jesus. Those are the ones that God will use. And I'm telling you, God wants to use everybody. It's got a purpose and a plan for everybody. So where are you this morning? How long has it been since you've been face to face with Jesus? Have you ever been face to face with Jesus? Do you know what it's like to kneel in His presence and not just feel good or feel emotional, but to have the crushing weight of God's presence on you so strongly that you can't even sing or talk? I've been there. It's where I want to live because I know that when I am in the presence of Jesus, There is no room for a pride in my heart. There's no way I can look around as the pastor and say, look at this great church we've got. Look at our great music. Look at all the visitors we've got. Look at all the different countries that are coming to our church. It's when I am in the presence of Jesus. That's when I know my heart can be right. Because it is in the presence of Jesus I come face to face with the purpose that God has called me. And this morning as Sister Cheney sings, I don't know what you're going to do. I'm going to come down the front and I'm going to pray. Because I need to pray. Because I'm not happy with where I am in God. I want more. I want to be closer to God. The closer I get to Jesus, the more He increases the more I decrease. So as Sister Janie begins to play and begins to sing, if you want to come down the front and pray, I encourage you, come down the front and pray. I don't care if you've been living for God for five minutes, five years, or five decades. We need to seek God, church. We need to seek God.